you'll open your sword this morning, amen, the word of God, the sword of the spirit, turn with me to James chapter 3, James chapter 3, and I'm going to be taking a look at verses 3 through 6 this morning, hallelujah, this is a continuation of last week's this is entitled, The Power of Your Words, Part 2. The Power of Your Words, Part 2. If you're there, say amen. amen. Hallelujah. James chapter 3, verse 3, going down to 6. It says, Behold, we put bits in the horses' mouths, that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships, which though they be gr so great... And are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm or rudder, whithersoever the governor listeth. Verse 5, even so the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell. You have to understand this as a Christian today. Your tongue has the potential to light a fire that leads to hell or a fire that sparks revival. Amen. Your tongue has that kind of power, that kind of authority in it. Go to Proverbs 18, 21. Hallelujah. You'll either light a path on to hell or light a fire of revival. Glory to God. We need to take hold of this this morning. Proverbs 18, 21. Says this. Says death and life are in the power. Underline that, power. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Death and life are in the power of, of, of the tongue. Listen to me. You will partake of the results of the manifestations of the words that you speak. Positive or negative. Notice it says, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. That word fruit, it's talking about the manifestation of your words that you speak. You're going to partake of that manifestation because it will bring something forth, positive or negative. I mentioned last week, I said this, this is a truth. This is a spiritual law in the world. Unbelievers and believers alike partake of this same spiritual law. Positive or negative, I mentioned how people who are in witchcraft, Satanism, they place curses. See, they place curses on people by speaking negative words and summoning demonic spirits and Satan in a situation. So you see, the devil, he can't create anything. He takes something of, that God intended for good and he twists it. He perverts it for evil. That's why I'm saying we as the church have to wake up and take hold of this truth and use it for how God intended us to use it as the church. Right? Amen. Turn with me to Proverbs 6. And uh, it goes with other things that God intended uh, for his people and then Satan twisted them. One of those things being meditation. Right? And I'm going to get into Joshua 1.8 in a moment. Hallelujah. But Proverbs 6.2, it says this, Thou art snared with the words of thy mouth. Thou art taken with the words of thy mouth. You know, that word snared there, that literally means to be trapped like a bird. Trapping yourself. You can trap yourself, you know. You, you can open yourself up to the enemy. To the power of the enemy by the words that come out of your mouth. And you can be trapped like a bird in a cage. Now, many people, yay, even Christians, are brought into bondage because of the words that they speak. Elizabeth and I, get this now. Now, come on, I'm talking on spiritual terms today. Can someone follow me on this? Amen. All right. 
Elizabeth and I have ministered to many, many people, deliverance, casting out demons. I'm telling you, I'm talking on spiritual terms now. Get, let's get out of the carnal. We have dealt with people where demons actually entered them when they were in the womb of their mother because the mother and father said, we don't want you. And guess what? Because the parents are the spiritual authority of that child, they, demonic spirits entered that child in the womb. Uh, this is a serious matter, folks. I'm not playing games here. And the devil's not either. See, he knows the power that's in the words. That's why I said he fights so hard to, have, to, to attack people's minds so much to where it fills their minds so much they take hold of them thoughts and then it drops down into their spirit, their heart. And then Jesus said the abundance of, uh, the, abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Well, when it fills up so much in your heart, it's going to spill out of your mouth. And that's why Satan tries so hard to get you to speak those negative thoughts. Amen. Listen to me. Thou art snared by the words of your mouth. I heard a story once, some minister, and I wish I could remember who it was. I, I don't remember who it was, or else I'd give him the credit for it. But some minister, the Lord knows, uh, was given a testimony. He, he was doing a healing meeting. Maybe it was Brother Hagen, but I don't know for sure. And a lady came up to him for prayer. She was all crippled up. And this minister said, you know, tell me a little bit about your situation. She said, well, this is what happened. When I first became a Christian, you know, I was, I was a baby Christian, new to things, didn't know much. And I thought the thorn in the flesh in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 that talks about the Apostle Paul, I thought it was a disease. And I said, Lord, Paul was a spiritual person, the Apostle Paul, and he had a thorn in the flesh. I want a thorn in the flesh like the Apostle Paul so I can be spiritual. <laughs> Almost immediately, this woman became crippled with a disease. Satan took advantage of that. Because your words either loose the power of God or the power of the devil. Now, this minister said, after... He, he talked to her about the thorn in the flesh and told her it wasn't a disease. It wasn't a sickness. He was talking about persecution, right? One, and, and he came up and had her renounce those words. In the name of Jesus, I renounced the words that came out of my mouth that said, I wanted the thorn in the flesh. Heavenly Father, forgive me for speaking those words. He prayed the prayer of faith over her. She was healed right on the spot. Words can wound, words can heal. Mm, how many things have we gone through in our personal life, in our family life, that we're wondering, why is this happening to me? Maybe you spoke something out of your mouth that gave place to the devil. Amen. Maybe you're the very reason why this whole thing came to pass. And it's not like God hasn't warned us about our words. Because from Genesis to Revelation... It's a basic theme throughout the word that there's power in the words that we speak. See, the devil is looking for the smallest opening, the smallest crack to enter into your life. That's why the Bible says in Ephesians, don't give place to the devil. Place, an opening. Don't give him anywhere to live or to breed in your life. That's what the Bible's saying there, Right? Hallelujah. And I mentioned last week, and I'm going to say it again because it's very foundational. Words are a spiritual force. It's not just some natural thing. Words aren't just a natural thing. How can I say that? How can I say that words are a spiritual force? Because you, the real you, you're a spiritual being, and you have a, a, a soul, mind, will, and emotions, and you live in a physical body. The words that you speak, Jesus said the abundance of the heart See, where the Bible talks about the heart, it's talking about your spirit, the real you. You're a spiritual being. Words originate in your heart, in your spirit. Words are a spiritual force. And there's only two kingdoms in the spiritual realm. You're only going to find two. The kingdom of God and the kingdom of the devil. Those are the only two kingdoms. And your words are spiritual, 
And your words are either going to lose the power of God in your life or in the life of someone else or the power of the devil. Plain and simple. Can't make it any more clearer than that. Amen. I mentioned last week that what you are today is a product of the words you spoke yesterday. Amen. Now, and your tomorrow is determined by the words that you speak today. I told you again, I, Elizabeth and I, last week I mentioned this, I, Elizabeth and I have dealt with a lot of individuals who have been told all of their childhood by their parents, you're not going to amount to anything. You're stupid. You're not going to do anything. And those people are a mess, emotionally speaking. They're a mess. Watch out, parents, what come out of your mouth. Are you encouraging your child? Are you telling them that they can do all things through Christ who strengthens them? Amen. Now listen, the word confession, the word confession literally means this. Remember how we talked about confessing the word, right? The word confession means to agree with or to say the same thing as. See, when you're speaking words of curse, words of negativity, you're agreeing with the devil. Think about that. Now, in the natural now, if Satan were to walk up to you, you know, with a pitchfork and his horns, you know, like we all think that he has, which is absurd, it's, it's a worldly thing. If he were to walk up to you and he were to give you a package and say, here, sign on this dotted line to receive this package, would you do it? But how many times have we signed for the package of the devil when we've spoken words of curse over us and others? You've accepted that package of the devil. We need to be vigilant. We need to be sober because our adversary, the devil, walks around as a roaring lion seeking whom he, you have to underline this, whom he may devour. Or those who will let him devour. Whom he may devour. That is a key. You know, it's one little word sometimes in scripture that turned the whole meaning of that verse around. How often do we just read over a verse and we just, oh, just read it so casually. But that one word, when you get a revelation of that one word, whom he may devour. It means you don't have to be overcome by the devil. You don't have to be devoured by him. But those of you who open the door to him, he'll walk right in. And he'll make himself at home. <laughs> Amen. He sure will. So confession literally means to agree with or to say the same thing as. I don't want to go up and on judgment day stand before the Lord and have the Lord say, you know, James, why'd you agree with Satan so much? You could have had so much more on this earth. But you constantly agreed with Satan. You said the same thing as Satan. Everything that he put in your head, you let it come out of your mouth. You agreed with him. You could have had so much more. You could have gone so much higher. That, my friend, will be a sad day for the individuals who the Lord says that to. But if you've got breath in your lungs today, you're here in the service, you're listening to this on the radio, the internet, it's not too late. Amen. You can change today. Hallelujah. And you can start living that abundant life that Jesus promised us. But when you are confessing the word of God, you are agreeing with or saying the same thing as the word. And it releases the power of God in that situation. Go with me to Romans chapter 10. Hallelujah. Romans chapter 10. I think the Lord's trying to get his point across today that words are pretty powerful. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to God. Romans chapter 10. Let's look at verses 9 through 10. This is a very important passage of Scripture because this tells someone how to get saved. Take a listen. That if thou shalt confess, there's that word confess, that if thou shalt agree with, if thou shalt say the same thing as with thy mouth that Jesus is Lord and shall believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness or with your spirit. You're a spiritual being. 
And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Hallelujah. So someone is saved by believing in their heart that, that God raised Jesus from the dead and confessing or agreeing with and letting it come out of their mouth. Meaning that it's filled their heart so much that they, their belief, their faith for Jesus is filling their heart so much. The abundance of the heart, the mouth is going to speak it. That's why I find it so hard when someone walks around calling themselves a Christian and all that's coming out of their mouth is the F word. Because a good treasure out of a good heart, good, for, good things are going to come forth out of their mouth. Amen. You know, after I, after I became born again, and, and hopefully it's the same for you guys, such a transformation came in my life. Before I was saved, I was just a machine gun full of swear words, wasn't I, Elizabeth? But when I made Jesus Christ the Lord of my life, instantly, almost instantly, and Elizabeth can attest to this, a swear word couldn't come out of my mouth. I was, before that, before receiving Jesus, I was bent towards sin. You understand what I'm saying? When someone's a sinner, you're bent towards sin. All you can do is sin. But when Jesus comes in, when you have a true born-again experience, you can't do it as easy. Sure, you have a free will. You can do it if you want. <laughs> but it won't come as easy as you did before you made Jesus Lord and Savior of your life. Oh, man, I'll tell you what. I was an Eddie Murphy. Yes, yes, yes. Your pastor was an Eddie Murphy. <laughs> Amen. Hey, come on. We all have a past, right? Come on. Glory to God. But we're delivered. Amen. Hallelujah. So that's why I have a hard time when someone goes around calling themselves a Christian and they're constantly slinging off four-letter words, all these dirty jokes. Uh, something's wrong with the root there. Either they didn't have a born-again experience or they've slidden so far back that their conscience is seared, the Bible says. That's possible. And I'll get into that on a later, later topic. Whew. Glory to God. Now, next point. Prosperity comes to us when we speak God's word. Go to Joshua 1.8. Joshua 1 verse 8. Many of you. Know this scripture inside and out, backwards, forwards, sideways. But I just want to pull something out here that was interesting to me. Let me read it and then I'll pull it out here. God gave Joshua these instructions. How many of you know if God speaks to you and gives you instructions, you better listen up. Because there's a blessing behind that door. Listen. This book of the law, my word he's saying, my word shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Now, the word meditate literally means this. It means to mutter or to speak to yourself. Now, remember how I told you how Satan didn't create anything, but he twists things that God intended for good. This is, meditation is one of the things that the devil has twisted. How many of you think, you know, and I was the same way. When I, after I got saved, when I hear the word meditate or meditation, I'd be like, whoa, get out of here. Meditation. See, the devil has perverted the word so much that he's even made Christians fall back from what God even intended for it, the good thing. And this is what it is. The New Agers and all of that other junk, false stuff, demonic stuff. The New Agers meditate. It's called transcendental meditation. What they do is they are told to empty their mind and speak a mantra. You know what I'm talking about? Come on, someone in here has had to be a New Ager before. Come on, just confess. You know you were. All right, now, come on, I confessed I was an Eddie Murphy. All right, before getting saved. But listen, they're told in, in the New Age and all that junk to empty their mind and speak a mantra. But the Word of God says, 
fill yourself with the word and speak the word. That is biblical meditation. So don't be throwing your cross up once you hear the word meditation. No, it's a good thing. Because God created it. But the devil has perverted it. And so there's an offshoot of perversion there. But God meant it for good. Now listen to this. It says, meditate day and night. Hmm. That pretty much covers the whole day, doesn't it? A 24-hour cycle. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> meditate day and night that thou mayest observe to do. Remember last week I told you that words are a compass. You will go in the directions of the words that you speak. That is why prosperity will come to you when you speak the word. Because when you speak God's word, it will steer you in that direction to be a doer of the word. Did you follow that in that one verse? Look at it. It says, it says let not the, uh, the book of the law depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. Why? Why should we meditate therein day and night? Comma, it goes on to say, that thou mayest observe to do. You know, maybe some of this thing isn't working. The words thing, you, you might have a, a hang up over this word thing, or someone listening to me might have a hang up on it and say, yeah, I do it all. I get up and I do my confessions and I do all this and that, and it still doesn't work. People, the word says in James 1.22, be ye doers of the word. You have to speak it and you have to do it. You see, I'm taking this subject on words, and I'm like putting it under a, a magnifying glass. I'm enlarging this topic. I'm taking a piece of the puzzle. But listen to me. If you're speaking the word all day long and you still have sin in your life, it's not going to work. That's my disclaimer. Right? So don't write me letters talking to people on the radio or on the internet. Because I know you guys won't. You guys are with me. Don't write me letters and say that word stuff is a bunch of junk. No. It'll work, but you have to work it by putting the word in action in your life along with speaking. Amen. Hallelujah. Deuteronomy 30, 14. Turn with me there if you would. <laughs> you know, usually the ones who get mad about this topic and, and think it's a bunch of baloney... Come on, let's admit it. They're the backslidden Christians. They're the ones who take no pleasure in the word of God. Right? They're the ones who go to work every day who are, who are saying those four-letter words. Who, who they think that their daily life is separate from church day on Sunday. Oh, they look all nice and spiff on Sunday, but during the week they're full of dead man's bones. Right? A child of the devil the rest of the week. Let's tell it like it is. Let's not sugarcoat it. You know me by now. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. If we want to see a true revival, we need to hear the full counsel of God. Amen. Even if it is that three-letter word, sin. Oh, you're being judgmental. No, no. I'm speaking the word. I'm speaking the word of God. And that is what's going to bring power in our lives when we start obeying the word of God. Amen. Deuteronomy 30, 14. Listen to this. But the word is nigh, nigh unto thee, in thy mouth, in thy heart, that thou mayest do it. Notice, there's a three-step process in that one verse. The word is in your heart. The abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So the word's in your heart. Now the word goes to your mouth. Now you become a doer of the word that you mayest do it. Do the word. You notice? Did you catch that? In that one scripture, there's a three-step process. And if you live by that three-step process as a Christian, look out. The windows of heaven will be open and God will pour you out such a blessing that you'll not have room enough to receive it. You know, that's another thing. People who give and give and give and give. Why aren't I getting blessed? The word says to give. Well, the rest of your life is a mess. You're not walking in, in obedience to the word in the other parts of your life. 
Like I said, this is part of the puzzle. This is one piece of the puzzle. Don't expect to do just one piece of the puzzle and think that this whole picture is together, right? We got to do the whole word. We got to follow all the instructions. Remember I told you, if you go to make a cake or cookies or something, you leave out a major ingredient. It's going to taste gross. Don't bring it to me, by the way. <laughs> Woo. Those kind of things don't last long around my house. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. 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 So we need the whole, all of the ingredients to make it work, to make it taste good, to live a satisfied life. Amen. Revelation 12, 11. Are you getting anything out of this today? Hallelujah. Revelation 12, 11. Hallelujah. The Bible says that we overcome the devil with our words. Or at least it's part of the equation. Revelation 12, 11 says this. And they overcame him. Who's him? The devil. Satan. Our enemy. By the blood of the lamb. And by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto the death. So you notice there's a two-part process in there, the blood of the Lamb. You notice in 1 John it says that as we walk and be doers of the word, it says the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us. The blood is all over you. But then it goes on to say the word of our testimony. Are you getting the point that part of this equation is to speak the word? Why? Because the word, the words that you speak are a spiritual force. There's power behind it. Good or bad, mind you. But there's power behind it. Um, Jesus in, in uh, the temptation, Jesus when he was tempted by the devil, he overcame the devil by speaking the word of God. You know, when the enemy comes to attack you and he speaks all these lies in your head, why would the enemy flee? when you speak the word? Well, there's a couple different reasons. Well, first off, you're releasing the power of God in that situation, right? Remember I, in, in Psalm 103, verse 20, how I said that when you speak the word, you're giving voice to God's word. It says that the angels of God hearken unto the voice of the word of God. Well, who gives voice to God's word on this earth? We do as Christians. So when you speak the word, you're dispatching angels on your behalf to help you in a situation right? But why else would speaking the word make the devil flee from you? Well, because you're confronting his lies. Because Satan's a liar, amen. You're confronting his lies with absolute truth, the word. And he knows there's nothing that can fight the absolute truth of God's word. So now, it's interesting here, Go to Luke 4.13. This is interesting. I want to just show you something. Some of you might be listening to this today and be saying, yeah, yeah, I spoke the word, I spoke the word, but the enemy keeps coming back. He keeps coming back. Go to Luke 4.13. Let me show you something. <laughs> Luke 4.13. This is at the end, this is the account in, in Luke of Jesus' temptation. Look at this last verse after Jesus spoke the word three times to Satan. Listen to this. He says, and when the devil has ended all the temptation, he departed from him for a season. Even the Lord Jesus Christ himself, the devil came back again to tempt him after this account. After a season. He ended it for a season. I'm telling you right now, uh, this is the importance of constantly staying filled with the word of God because as long as you're in this earth suit, your body on this earth, the devil will come, tempt you, and try to get you off course. 
So don't think it's strange. Oh, I, I spoke the word, I spoke the word, I felt better for a little while, but then it came back. These attack. Yeah. Friends, listen to me. We are fighting a fight of faith on this earth. And as long as you're in this body on this earth, you're going to deal with that. That's why we need to constantly be filled with the word. So when those trials come, when the squeeze comes on, just like a sponge, what will come out? The word. Because you're so filled full of the word of God. Interesting. The devil left Jesus for a season. He came back, and he'll come back to you. The devil's going to come back to you and try to tempt you and throw you off course. But what are you doing with it? Speak the word. Be a doer of the word, right? It's interesting with words. Jesus rebukes storms with his words. And I'll tell you a secret right now. Now, I'm talking on spiritual terms. All you carnal Christians who are listening to this, you're probably going to snare at this one. You, as a Christian, have the same authority to talk to the storms and say, peace, be still. That's a spiritual, that's a spiritual thing. Why? Because words are a spiritual force. One time, Elizabeth and I down in Tulsa. You know, Tulsa is the hotbed for tornadoes. Whew. One day, we were down there in our little apartment. Thank God we had a lower level. Within probably five miles of our apartment, six tornadoes touched down. We spoke to those things. And I'll kid you not. We, we spoke to it, and, and on the news one time, the, the, some spotter said, it's almost as if this tornado jumped up and skipped over. Because you have that same authority to speak to the storms. You know something else? Jesus... Sometimes storms are from the devil. And most of the destruction is on this earth, obviously. Some things, I, listen to me. Why do I say that? If, if the storms and tornadoes and all the storms were of God, that means that when Jesus rebuked storms, he was rebuking his heavenly father. Right? Would Jesus do that? Oh, pff, give me a break. So obviously the origin wasn't God for those destructive things. Right? Now, I will say this, judgment can come upon a city, upon an area. Why? Because we open, the people open themselves up to judgment. And it's not God force, it's when there's a crack, the enemy will come in. Right? God's hand of protection is lifted off. Lifted off. Huh? What about a thing like the New Orleans, the Katrina? What about it? What about all of these earthquakes? What about a tsunami that took place, ironically, in a, in a country that totally rejects the Lord Jesus Christ and the Word of God? What about it? Don't take a rocket scientist to figure it out. What about a, a public schools who kick God out? And then Columbine happens and all these other ones happen. What about it? Where was God? Well, you know where he was. He was sitting outside the door because you kicked him out. Amen. I'm telling you, there is two kingdoms on this earth. Kingdom of God, kingdom of the devil. You kick God out, guess who's going to come in? Whoa! The devil himself. Satan, demonic spirits. Plain and simple. Go to Luke 24. Are you getting bored this morning? You want me to close up right now? Maybe uh all right, all right. I wasn't anyways. All right. <laughs> I got some more good stuff for you here. Glory to God. Luke 24. Talking about words today. Talking about the power of your words. Part two. If you didn't get part one, request that CD today. Luke 24, uh, verses 27 through 32. Now, words, this is my point with this scripture. Word, when words are spoken under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, 
you'll know it. Why? Your heart will burn. Look at verse 27. And beginning at Moses, this is after Jesus' resurrection from the dead. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he, Jesus, expounded unto them, who? The disciples. In all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. And they drew nigh unto the village uh, whither they went. And he made as though he would have gone further. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with, with them. Well, that was nice with Jesus. He said, well, all right, I'll spend a little bit more time with you. <laughs> Amen. Verse 30. And it came to pass as he sat at meat with them. Notice he ate after his resurrection in his spiritual body. Interesting. He took bread and blessed it and break it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and they knew him. And he vanished out of their sight. You know, Jesus has a sense of humor, you know. Isn't that funny? breaks eats a little something with them then just vanishes amen look at verse 32 listen to this and they said to another did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way and while he opened the scriptures to us their hearts burned why because the anointing was coming forth when jesus was expounding talking about himself through the scripture, speaking scripture to them. An example of this is this. Have you ever gotten prophesied over? Or you were in a service where a word of prophecy come forth. You knew that the Holy Ghost was the power behind that word. You knew it. You felt it in here. Woo! The anointing just came upon you. Your heart burned within you. That's what that's talking about. You know what I'm talking about? When words are spoken under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, you'll know it. Why? Because your heart will burn. Hallelujah. Uh, there have been times when I was ministering to an individual, and the anointing came upon me in such a tangible way, a boldness rose up within me. And when I gave the command toward, toward that demonic spirit or toward that sickness or, or disease, I, I could feel, I mean, it was almost like a, a power left when those words left my mouth why because the holy spirit backed it and it went forth you'll know it when the anointing is upon words you understand what i'm saying but we'll get more into that in the healing meetings so come on out you don't want to miss it um first john four First John 4. See, I got to get to you now before Thanksgiving Day, before you guys gluttonize, and then you won't be able to understand me on Sunday. <laughs> Next Sunday, that is. Amen. So I got to give you all of it now. <laughs> Hallelujah. First John 4, 1 through 3. Spirits are tested by words. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses or agrees with or says the same thing as that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesses not or doesn't agree with or doesn't say the same thing as that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is it in the world. Any person, any organization that does not confess the deity of Jesus Christ and does not align their, their teachings with the word of God is a cult, a false religion. Stay away from them. Don't go there. Paul said this in Galatians 1.8. He said, if me or an angel from heaven preach another gospel, let them be accursed. You kind of seen the seriousness of this thing? Any church, organization, person who comes to you and strips the Jesus Christ of his deity, 
is a cult, a false prophet. Expose them right on the spot. Right? Mm. We got to take this serious. Don't listen to everything you hear. Judge it by the word. Test the spirit that where that word originated from. Right? Jesus was not just a good man. He was not just a prophet. He is the son of the living God who went to the cross, shed his blood, put in a grave. Three days later, rose again from the dead. The son of God. He is God. Jesus is God. And anyone who doesn't confess that or believe that, it's a cult. Don't go there. Jehovah's Witness, Mormons. Yeah, 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 you're listening to me on the air and over other, the, what, yeah, you're a cult. Right? And you need to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Open up the word for yourself. Quit listening to all these freaks who are twisting and perverting, who are being used by Satan. Amen. Mm. You know, and some, I'm not going to name names here, but there's some denominations that are perverting the gospel. There's some denominations, yay, that are very popular that are twisting the gospel. And you know who you are. And we'll go there later. Proverbs one twenty three. Don't be led astray. Get in the word, the truth of God's word. It'll save you heartache, amen. And from judgment, from the pits of hell. You need Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Amen. Revelation and illumination comes to you as you are filled with the Holy Spirit. Proverbs 1.23 says this, Turn you at my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you. I will, underline it, make known my words unto you. Now how does that, what do you mean revelation, illumination comes as you are filled with the Spirit? What do I mean? How does that tie into a sermon about words, about the power of your words? I'm glad you asked. Turn with me to Ephesians 5. What, you think I'm losing her or something? Not knowing how to tie this in? <laughs> Amen. Go to Ephesians 5. I'm not losing it. I got the mind of Christ. Amen. There's that positive confession. <laughs> Ephesians 5. Uh, 18 through 20. These are instructions to Christians on how to stay filled with the Spirit. Now let's see, how do words play a part in staying filled with the Spirit? And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess. Well, we could camp out there, couldn't we? Amen. <laughs> be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Here it is, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at how big of a part words play in staying filled with the Spirit of God. Speaking to yourselves, singing, making melody in your heart. To stay filled. And Proverbs 1.23 says, I'll pour out my spirit upon you and make my words known unto you. Words play a part in how much revelation and illumination from God's word that you will receive. Hallelujah. Your words determine if you get prayers answered. John 15.7. John 15, Jesus said, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you. Now notice, you have to abide in Jesus. You have to be a doer of the word also. Come on. But he said, if my words abide in you. Why? Because when you pray, you're going to pray things that are in line with the word of God. In line with the will of God. See, when you're basing your prayers on God's word, 
or pray in the word, we call it, you'll see results. It looses the power of God because you are demonstrating your faith in God's word. When you're incorporating the word of God in your prayer, you're demonstrating your faith, the trust that you have in God's word. And it loses power in that situation. Matthew 18 and 19, very popular scripture. Listen to this. Matthew 18, 19, Jesus said this. Again, I say unto you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them by my Father which is in heaven. Notice there's words involved, isn't there? But one thing I'm going to touch on just briefly here, this is a whole other teaching. But when you're praying the prayer of agreement, listen to this. It says that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching, 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 say touching means you both have faith for that thing. Amen. You both touch. How do you touch? In the spirit. You both have faith for it. Don't be going up to someone and, you know, he, he's, he's going to go in and have surgery or something like that. And, and he say, hey, I want prayer for the surgery. And I'm thinking in my head, miracle, miracle. Okay, come on. And you're like, let's agree. And I'm go, Lord, do a miracle. And in his mind, he's going, oh, help me in this surgery. I pray this surgery would go good. That's not agreement. See, that's why you got to meet the person where their faith is at. If their faith is at, hey, pray that the, the surgery will go well, then doggone it, agree with them. Right? Notice it says that you have to agree and ask. Don't just say, I agree with you. No, say, yeah, I, I agree with you, I faith. Now, Father, in the name of Jesus, we agree that this surgery would go great. You see what I'm saying? That's the prayer of agreement. Amen. Amen. But that's a whole other teaching when you're talking on prayer, which we will get into. You having fun this morning? All right, now, uh, the Bible speaks of words that lead to repentance. 1 John 1, 9. Guys, there's just so much in the word of God. I mean... Uh, I still got some time here. I'm almost, I'm, I'm almost there. Just bear with me. Because there's a couple things I think are going to be a blessing to you that you've never seen before. Especially this next thing I'm going to talk to you about here. Confession. Uh, I'm sorry. The Bible speaks of words that lead to repentance. Look at 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, if we agreed that we have sinned. He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Notice, if we confess our sin, we need to, when we mess up, we need to admit that we messed up. Well, it was just a white lie. Well, as long as you keep that frame of mind, you're not gonna prosper. Why? Because the Bible says now you're covering your sin. You're, you're not exposing it. You're not agreeing with God, with God's word, that you've sinned. Do you understand what I'm saying? Uh, and also this, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This will revolutionize your Christian walk. When you've messed up and you need to confess your sin, Always remember this, and if you have a pen and paper, I want you to write this down, because this will revolutionize your life. It did mine. When I heard this thing, I heard it down at Rama. Oh, man, listen to this. 1 John 1.9 produces a fact, not a feeling. Did you catch that? 1 John 1.9 produces a fact, not a feeling. So when you've messed up and you confess, God, forgive me, I messed up. I shouldn't have talked like that to such and such. Or I shouldn't have done this. Forgive me. Cleanse me with the blood of Jesus. It produces a fact, not a feeling. Sure, you might walk away from that prayer feeling just like you did before when you were in that sin, when you felt totally degraded, totally... Oh, down, but remember, it just produced a fact, not a feeling. Right? Satan's going to try to come along and bring up that sin again to try to pump, move you down, try to buffet you, bring you back down. Right? Remember? 
but it produces a fact, not a feeling. Remember that. And that's, that's all that matters. If you're forgiven in the sight of God, forgive yourself and move on. Right? Amen. Proverbs 28, 13, real quick here. I'm just going to jump over there. Here's that one. He that covers his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesses and forsakes them shall have mercy. Notice, agree that you've sinned, and then forsake that sin. You've got to stop sinning, right? Don't keep asking forgiveness, and then you intend to do it again tomorrow. Or in five minutes, right? <laughs> amen. Confess and forsake your sin. That's, amen. And the last thing here, Mark 5. All right, second from the last thing. You got me. Mark 5, verses 25 through 34. As I close up this message on the power of your words, two accounts I'm just going to show you and pull something out very quickly. The woman with the issue of blood. Verse 25 of Mark chapter 5. And a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years and had suffered many things of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was nothing better but rather grew worse. When she had heard of Jesus came in behind the press and touched his garment. For she said, if I may but touch his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus immediately, knowing in himself that virtue or power had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, who touched my clothes? Notice. The woman put her point of contact out by speaking words. She said, if I may but touch his clothes, I shall, or I will be made whole. She put her point of contact for her faith. She spoke it, and then she acted on it. There's a key right there. If you speak that positive confession, you speak the word of God, and then you back it and go out and act on it in faith, you'll see results. Yeah, see, this is a, a scripture here that I used in the healing meeting. But see how it ties into words? You set your point of contact out for your faith by words. Mm. And lastly, David and Goliath in 1 Samuel 17. David, this is the last one right here. David of course, Goliath was the giant Philistine. He was an enemy, right? He was defying God and the armies of God. And David rose up. You notice in that account, David never spoke one negative confession from the get-go on that, did he? His whole confession was positive. He said, I slew a lion and a bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine is going to be the same as them. <laughs> right? Now, what if David would have went into it and spoke negative? And just negative confession and right after another came out of his mouth. And then he went to fight that giant. Do you think the power of God would have been on his side for that battle? No. Look at this. Um, 1 Samuel 17, Samuel 17, 45 and 46. Says, then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel whom thou hast defied. This day, he got pretty specific in his confession, this day will the Lord deliver thee into my hand, and I will smite thee, and I will take thine head from thee, and I will give the carcass of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air and to the wild beast of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. What is your giant in your life? What giant comes up to you in your life? What are you saying to that giant? What words are coming to your mouth when that giant is standing in your way? What about that mountain in your life? Jesus said this. Why don't we all stand this morning?
Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty three, For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. My question is, what are you saying to your mountain? What are you saying to that giant who's standing in your way? Do you believe you can take that mountain? Do you believe that mountain can move? Because if your words are backed up with faith, that mountain will move. That situation will move. That giant will crumble. Amen? Now, some of you in this service today, there may be someone in here who said, wow, that sounds wonderful, but I'm not even a child of God. I'm still a child of the devil. If today you want to make Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life, I want you to come down to this altar and I want to pray with you to receive Jesus today. Because the Bible says today is the day of salvation. Don't wait for tomorrow. For you don't know what tomorrow brings. Amen. But if you're a Christian, you know who holds tomorrow. Amen. Maybe you're a Christian, you've been a Christian for a long time, but you're backslidden. You know you've been living like the devil. And today, you want to recommit your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to come down here, and I want to pray with you so you can have that new start, that new beginning. Maybe you're in here, and you've never received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. What is it? To be endued with power to be a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. You want miracle signs and wonders to follow you? You want to have that power to, to change lives and to see the power of God? You need the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And I want you to come down. I want to lay hands on you and pray for you to receive Him. Him, the Holy Spirit. If you need a healing in your body, you need a miracle in your life, any other thing, I want you to come down this morning and I want to pray over you. And I want to pray the prayer of agreement, a true prayer of agreement with you today. Amen.
Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord a shout of praise today for what he's doing. Thank you, Lord. Woo. Your presence like a cloud. Listen to this song. Hallelujah. Upon the ancient day. This song is powerful. For the Lord is good. God is a good God. Remember this? Some of the some of the uh, seminaries, cemeteries, I mean seminaries. Could do well by learning this fact. That God is good and the devil's bad. Amen. Hallelujah. Lift your hands to the Lord and thank you. Hallelujah. Revelation of that grace. Hallelujah.
today, God is good. Not tomorrow, not just tomorrow, not yesterday, but today. Amen. Woo, glory to God. Hallelujah. Does anyone have a, a testimony, quick word to speak? I'll give you the opportunity. Anybody? Um, yesterday I started doing my exercises again. A while ago I couldn't even do them, and yesterday was the first time that I got on the floor and did my aerobic exercises, and I'm getting stronger. Right. And I want to thank God for that. Praise God. Amen. Amen. I need some of that strength for the working out deal. <laughs> That's good. Praise God. Any Amen. Oh, confession time. Okay, anyone else? Now, I am going to be gone. Elizabeth and I, we're going to be out of town um, Wednesday, from Tuesday to Friday morning or Friday afternoon. So if you need us, just call the church. I check the messages every half hour probably. Probably more than that. Elizabeth says, you're getting a little too much. there. No, I don't want to miss anyone. So just leave a message on here and I'll get back with you if, you, if there's something going on. Have a great Thanksgiving. Uh, come Wednesday night, we're still having it. Six o'clock prayer. 7 o'clock, Brother Wayne's going to be teaching on the revelation gifts of the Spirit, right? Yeah. Amen. Other than that, uh, be blessed. We love you. And let's open up those gates. See ya. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.